Sterling, miss you guys. See you soon. <laughs> hey, SBC. As the peak of this pandemic is approaching, I just wanted to remind us all that we need to be strong and have courage. I know that God is going to get us through this exceptionally difficult time. I'm missing you all so, so, so much, and I can't wait until we can be reunited again. Morning, SBC. Hope everyone is doing well and keeping safe. Missing everyone so much. Um, shout out to the 6pm. Hoping to fellowship with everyone soon. Keep safe. God bless. Hey, SBC. It's Colin here. As much as you know, I'm C-Dog. Just want to hope that you guys are all doing well. You're keeping safe and healthy during these pandemic times. Keep safe. Hey church and welcome to the service. Really excited to gather around God's word with you this morning. Mark Wood is going to be closing off our Songs of Salvation series today. And then we're going to celebrate our salvation by taking communion together as the SBC family. And so perhaps if you've forgotten to prepare those elements, you can quickly hit pause and go and grab them. You can make use of anything uh, that you can drink and eat in remembrance of Christ today and what he accomplished for us on the cross. I have nothing new to bring to your attention this week, and so I'm going to hand straight over to Joe and Alyssa, who will pray us into the service, then Mark will bring us God's word. We'll take communion in response, and then we'll worship God in song together. And so do stay tuned for all of that. And if you would like to worship God through giving this morning, you're welcome to do that via EFT. As always, the comment section is live, and we would love it if you would use that as a means of encouraging the body. We can't uh, come together in a building and bring a song or a hymn or a prayer of thanksgiving, but we can share scripture and we can share answered prayers and praise items in the comment feed um, to build up one another's faith. And so please do make use of that feature. That's it from me. Over to Joe and Alyssa. Good morning, Sterling. It's good to be with you here this morning uh, to be able to share this experience with you. And our prayer for you this morning has been uh, one that this experience will be incredibly beneficial to you, but maybe not only to you, but also to others. Uh, we love and we miss you and we're looking forward to the day that we are able to hang out again and worship uh, our God together. It's going to be a great day. But in the meantime, I've got a verse for you. It comes from Galatians 6 verses 9 and 10. It says the following. It says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of the faith. I've just been reflecting on our lockdown journey so far, from the beginning all the way to where we are now, and just remembering how when we started out, I was full of so much excitement and anticipation for what God was going to do because I just felt that so many people who don't come to church could now have access to sermons and to worship online. And I just felt like God could do something big. And just considering where I am now, feeling like I've grown a bit weary, um, we're tired of this lockdown and how things have changed so much. And I just wanna encourage us that although we're feeling tired and weary, that we need to just press on because although we're feeling this way, it doesn't mean that God isn't working. And it doesn't mean that he can't continue to do what it is that he is doing, even if we can't see it. So let us pray. Uh, Father, we are incredibly grateful that you are a God who is in control of the situation. And uh, as a result, you have a plan and a purpose for it, that you can use this for your glory and for our good and for the good of many, many other people as well. And so, Lord, we ask that you would use us in this season, that you would use us to be able to glorify your name. and. Uh, we ask that we would see many, many people come to salvation as a result of this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
We're going to hand over to Mark and he's going to be bringing us the word. Church. My name is Mark and I'm one of the elders at uh, SBC and it's my privilege to bring you the word this morning. Uh, we are going through a series called the Song of Salvation and we've been preaching through the Psalms over the last uh, three weeks and I'm closing out that series today. Last week Matt Johnson preached, took us through uh, Psalm 131 and spoke about the problem of pride and um, how to find uh, the place where we can have a quiet and content soul uh, before the Lord. If you missed that sermon, I really want to encourage you to uh, find it uh, on our webpage. Um, it is really practical, uh, really helpful. I've been chewing on it all week and uh, it's available for you if you missed it last week. Today we're going to be going through one of the most famous Psalms uh, in the Bible. It's Psalm 121. I've asked Kath de Klerk to uh, read it for us this morning, so I'm going to hand over to Kath. Hi, SBC. Um, let's read together Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 121 is known as the traveling psalm, and it forms part of this group of psalms uh, called the Songs of Ascent. Uh, Psalms 120 to 134 and uh, the Jewish people would uh, sing this psalm to each other as they traveled down to Jerusalem for the festivals three times a year um, and so as you are traveling towards Jerusalem Jerusalem is surrounded by hills and mountains and so you are heading up and that's why it's called a song of ascent and the psalmist opens up this psalm with the words I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And I want you to notice two things in the, this opening verse. The first is the psalmist takes an action. And the second is he uh, asks a question. And I'm going to deal with the question first because the action that he takes is actually in response to the question he asks. And the question he asks is this simply. It says, uh, from where does my help come? And we don't know the current context for the person writing the psalm, what they were going through. Uh, but the implication is that they are in some sort of trouble or danger. Um, maybe as they were traveling down towards Jerusalem, they were uh, having fear of uh, being robbed. Maybe it was traveling through the hot desert sun uh, walking all day and dealing with some sort of sunstroke. We don't know um, what the danger was that the psalmist was going through, but we do know that he was in a space where he was asking himself, where does his help come from? And he 
the action he takes is quite interesting. He lifts up his eyes to the hills. I don't know about you, but when I am facing trouble or danger and things are just going wrong, I tend to get quite mopey. And I can uh, hear myself saying things like, woe is me, another, um, another bad thing has befallen me. And, um, you know, the shoulders can, can uh, slouch and the head can drop. Um, and we tend to get into this whiny kind of navel gazing and feeling sorry for, for ourselves. But what does the psalmist do when he's facing trouble or danger? He lifts up his eyes. And this is what the Christian needs to do. And God has been so good to me. You know, when I get into those spirals, and I tend to do that um, quite often, sadly, um, God usually sends through some godly person to come and give me a little slap over the head, wake me up from my stupor, and um, uh, they ask great questions like, Mark, where is God in this? And I know what the answer is. I know that he's right here. And the problem is that I've taken my eyes off of him and started to focus on what I'm afraid of. And in that moment, the right response for the Christian is to look up, to lift up our eyes, to look for God. And he is right there, right there with us. And as soon as our attention is on the right place, um, we can find courage and we can find strength despite the dangers that continue to be all around us. It reminds me of a story, a time when I was on the ship and I was uh, on the deck in the front and we were coming into uh, ports and we were going to dock. And it's quite a stressful time if you're a deckhand because um, all sorts of dangerous things are happening up front there. And this particular day, it my worst nightmare happened. We uh, were coming in, it was in Cameroon, and something had gone wrong on the ship and the brakes on the ship failed. But we were already so close to the other ships and the maneuver we were trying to make was kind of similar to a parallel park that you would do in a, in a car. You can imagine how difficult that is in a ship. And we had overshot the berth and had hoped to slow down our, um, uh, uh, and hoped to slow down the ship, but we couldn't. And in that moment, we actually started to make contact with, and I'm like downplaying it here, we were smashing into another ship in the port. It was chaos. I still remember the bosun screaming and shouting at me, get the tires, get the tires. And my job now was, <laughs> to hang over the side of the ship with the tire and release the moment we made impact with the other ship. And I remember everyone running around like chickens without heads. It was chaos. And I took a brief look up at the, the captain's deck and I could see uh, a whole group of people standing there and all sorts of facial expressions like, and, but in the middle of them, was the director of the ship. And I've often spoken about him and he is one of the most godly men I've ever met. And you know what he was doing in the moment when we were running around like headless chickens trying to save the ship and save ourselves. And everyone around him is just 
soaking in the drama with open eyes and gasping mouths. He was doing this. And his face was serene. It was at peace. In one of the greatest dangers we had ever experienced, the leader of the ship lifted up his hands in prayer and set his eyes on the Lord. He knew where his help was going to come from. He looked up. And I've never forgotten that, that picture. I've never forgotten that image. And I often replay it in my mind, especially when I'm going through um, dangerous times and difficult moments. I try and remember that man in that moment, remembering where his help came from. He actually had two hands out. Pray, putting his trust in the Lord. And God came through. All we had to do was uh, do a bit of a paint job um, and things were as good as new. Um, in verse 2, the, the, the psalmist answers his question. He says, um, so he asks, where does my help come from? And he takes the action of lifting up his eyes to the hills. But he now answers the question and it's an emphatic answer. He says, my help comes from the Lord. It's not from the hills. The only point to the hills is they might remind you of who the maker of the hills are. Perhaps he was looking at the hills and remembering who made the hills and it made him think of the Lord. His physical eyes were looking at the, the hills, but his, uh, the eyes of his heart were looking far higher than, than that. And he answers his own question emphatically saying, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And it's a beautiful name that is used in the Hebrew. It is Yahweh. And we translate uh, this name Yahweh as I am. But in my study and in my prep, something powerful happened uh, that I want to share with you. And uh, one of the, uh, the commentators said that perhaps a better um, description or summary of that name is that his name means present to act. Usually, but not only, in salvation. I want to repeat that. Yahweh can be better summarized for us as present to act. Usually, but not only in salvation. What a beautiful hope to trust in. What a beautiful name. God is present. And he's not just present next to us kind of passively, but present, ready to act. And, and usually in a way to help us, to save us. This is why the psalmist can say, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from Yahweh. And this isn't a limited kind of help that will reach an end and maybe not be enough. He then goes on to say, he is the maker of the heavens and the earth. Everything in all of that is accessible to him. His resources are infinite to help us. And he is present and ready to act on our behalf. Isn't that encouraging, church? Are you in need of help this morning? Are things starting to unravel? Are you wondering how you're going to get through the next day or the next weeks? I don't know what you're going through, but I know this. If you know him, then help is on the way. And if you lift up your eyes and look for him and place your trust in him, he is present 
and ready to act on your behalf and to save. Isn't that so encouraging for us as we walk through the, the dangerous uh, pathways of this life? Verse 3 speaks about that. It says that he will not let your foot slip. And, and that's not saying that we're always going to be sure-footed. That's not saying that the pathway is always going to be smooth and straight. That is saying that actually in this lifetime, some of what we're going to walk through is, is treacherous. Some of it is difficult. Some of the footholds will fail us. There will be times where we will slip. But the one who is immovable holds us. And so we don't move. I, I think of it, if I go back to the ship, like, like the analogy of an anchor. You know, when an anchor drops, and I've been on a ship to see this, um, it holds the ship in place. But that doesn't mean there isn't any movement. The ship still moves with the waves and can shift position ever so slightly, but there is a limit to how far it can go because the thing that it is tethered to is immovable. What a wonderful picture of the Lord walking with us, holding us. You know, when I go to the beach and sometimes I walk with my daughter, my three-year-old daughter on the rocks, she's very adventurous and very boisterous and loves to jump and run. And she is constantly endangering herself. But dad's right next to her and every time she slips, I'm holding her. Sometimes she's not even uh, on the ground anymore. I have to hold her up to keep her safe. But I am steadfast and strong. And that's the picture we've got here. In Psalm 37 verse 24, David says that though he falls, he will not fall headlong because God holds him in his right hand. And you might be saying, Mark, I don't feel like that in my life. I feel like um, I've had to, uh, that I'm moving a lot and I'm shifting a lot. And I want to say to you, we will feel like that. We might be like a tree that is being swayed by the wind, but the roots will not be uprooted and the tree will not come out of the ground because of the immovable hand of the Lord holding us. In my deepest, darkest night of the soul, where I felt like my marriage was on the rocks and everything I'd cared about in my identity was being ripped out of me, um, I really, in those moments, felt completely shaken. And there were times where I was ready to walk away from the things that mattered most to me because I was tired of trying to hang on to uh, everything that was important. And it took a year for me to get out to the other side. And when I got out to the other side, I looked back and I realized it wasn't Mark holding on to everything that was important with so much strength. It was the Lord holding me and not letting me go, not letting me be moved. And there is a promise for us, church, and it's going to come through stronger and stronger in the rest of the psalm. He is with us, and it's his job to take us through as we journey through this journey of life. He has a destination that he wants us to get to, and it's his job to keep us. It's his job to keep us on track. And we're going to go through a whole bunch of difficult uh, things. We're encountering sickness and loss of loved ones, and we will all face death in, in, our, in our lifetime. 
and financial struggle and any number of things that can be going on, especially now in COVID, a lot of what we look around us, we feel completely hopeless. How is this going to work out? How is it going to get any better? And there's something powerful the Lord is saying to you and me this morning. He's saying that he is near. He's saying that he is ready to act and to save and that he will keep us. Says the one who keeps you will not slumber, will not sleep. And that word keep is speaking of like the way a shepherd keeps his sheep. He provides for, he looks after, he protects, he leads gently into all sorts of different uh, areas. And the Lord will keep you. He will do that. It's his job. David was a great shepherd. He fought off a lion with his bare hands. He fought off a bear with his bare hands. So was his love for the sheep. He was ready to put his whole body and life in harm's way to protect them. And we know that David was filled with the Spirit of God, and that's why he was able to do some of these amazing things that I don't think normal shepherds uh, would maybe go to those extremes. But he was still a man. We have a far greater shepherd looking after us who is committed to keeping us and protecting us and looking out for us. And he never sleeps. There's never a moment where he drops his guard. There's never a moment where he takes his eye off the wall. There is no way through that those defenses are impenetrable unless he allows, and he sometimes does, the difficulty to come in. And even when that happens, we can know. It's not because he's turned his back. It's not because he's unaware. We've got to stop believing this lie that God is distant and far away and doesn't care about us. He is intimately involved in our lives and cares about every detail. And just because we go through difficult moments and difficult, uh, difficult challenges, it doesn't change his love towards us and his eyes on us. He sometimes allows those things in, but we know, the righteous knows that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. God is able to overturn any negative situation in his sovereignty and in his power for the good of those who love him. And we can trust that he is always, his hand is at the wheel. He is awake and he is alert. And nothing can, can come at you that he does not allow. And they are always limited in what they can do to you. By him, he limits the extent of what can happen to you. We see this in Job, where Satan comes and um, uh, asks God uh, if he can uh, attack Job in various ways. And actually, it starts with God saying, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And Job says, I, but he's faithful to you and, and righteous because you've placed a hedge around him. I can't get to him. I can do nothing. You've protected him. And that's the only reason he follows you. And so God removes for a moment that protection. But in doing so, gives Satan a limit. You will only go this far. And Job is able to prove that his allegiance to God and his trust in God is not based on what God does for him. It's based on who God is. And he remains faithful to God throughout every trial and challenge Satan throws at him. The enemy has to ask permission. He has no 
way that he can get through. And that's why we can trust that when we are going through difficult times, that God is watching, he's involved, and this is allowed by him. We need to trust him. Jesus says to Peter, um, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And when you come back, strengthen your brothers. The enemy's power is only given to him and allowed by God, and it is limited. And God has the final say, and the final outcome belongs to him. We took our kids to the snake park two weeks ago, and um, uh, we were treated to this uh, live show, and I had Sebastian and Olivia behind me. They were like, uh, had this, you know, uh, big dad, five foot six dad, to protect them from the, the king cobra, because I was confident, you know, I wasn't scared at all. And uh, this guy's handling the snake literally two meters away from me. And I'm chuckling at how scared uh, Sebastian and Olivia are, pretending to be all brave uh, myself, of course. And then suddenly he starts coughing. And because of COVID and fears around that, he walks off to um, go and get some water because he doesn't want to continue to cough, cough, cough and make everyone so nervous. And he leaves the snake there, King Cobra, staring at me. Two meters away. And Sebastian grips me. And I grip Anita. And I suddenly realized how much confidence I had placed in a man. Now Anita says that he left someone in charge. And that person was somewhere around and watching. And I'm going to believe her, but I didn't see it. I only saw a snake and no one around it. And that snake looking at me. And it made me think, as I've been preparing the sermon, is that's what's so awesome about God. Is that in our lives, we are used to putting our trust in things and situations and people and then having a feeling of being let down and exposed. And God is saying to us, I will never sleep. I'm always on. I'm always awake. And I'm keeping you. And that word keep keeps getting repeated. In verse 5, it says, sorry, in verse 4, it says, Behold. And you've got to slow down when you see behold. Behold is an interjection placed in there to, to make the reader pause and think and realize what I'm about to say is so important. So behold, this is so good what I'm about to say. And the psalmist writes, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He repeats it. And you might ask, why does he repeat it? He's just said that. Why does he say it twice? Well, we see something very powerful in Genesis uh, 37, 24, where um, uh, Joseph is asked to interpret a dream from Pharaoh. And it's a dream that is repeated. It happens twice. And Pharaoh asks Joseph, why did the same thing happen twice in my dream? And, and Joseph's response is powerful. He says this. He says, it's doubled because it is established by the Lord and he hastens to do, to, do, to do it. It's doubled because it's established and he hastens to do it. So we are going to hear this word keep, not twice, not three times, but six times in the next few verses, the psalmist is going to keep saying, the Lord will keep you. He will keep you. He will keep you. 
And it's to establish it, to make you realize that God hastens to do this. The Lord is your keeper. He is your shade at your right hand. When I read that, I think of two uh, truths again. For him to be my shade, he has to be right next to me. And why is he my shade? It's a word for protection. And you might go, how does shade come into protection here? Yeah, well, um, when I took Sebastian to the beach for the first time, when he was, I don't know, nine months old, whatever, um, I was so scared of the, this beautiful soft skin being exposed to this uh, sunlight. And he was loving the sand, obviously. My only thought was I wasn't looking at water. I wasn't looking at people. I wasn't thinking anything about the beach. I was focused on him and I had one job. Keep Sebastian in my shade. I just kept moving, making sure that that sunlight uh, didn't touch his body. It speaks about protection. It speaks about God's nearness. He is our shade at our right hand. He's so close to us and he is protecting us. Even Sebastian wasn't aware at all that I was standing there deliberately protecting him from the sun. He was just lost in enjoying what he was doing. We often are unaware of how much protection God is giving us. But he continues to do so because he loves us. And his protection is around the clock. In verse 6 it speaks about the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. It is 24-hour protection, always at hand. You can sleep sound, church, because he is awake. There's no point in two people being on watch. You only need one watchman. When I was on the ship, sorry, I keep bringing the ship up. Um, one of our jobs was to be on gangway watch. And there were three guys, and they did eight-hour shifts. And that was rough. Your whole job was to stand at the gangway and make sure no one came onto the ship. And that's it. You stood there and you waited. And you did it for four hours. Then you had a four-hour break. Then you did it for four hours. Or eight-hour break. You did it for four hours again. Can't really remember. Just remember there were three of us, eight hours, eight hours. And you would not catch me at the gangway on watch when it wasn't my turn. I was, it was time to go to bed. Somebody else was doing that job. Didn't need to be two of us there. God is on watch, always. You can sleep safe and sound. He, his eyes on you. He's protecting you. In verse 7, it says that the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Keep, keep, keep. Now, this does beg the question. The Lord will keep us from all evil. What does that mean? It surely doesn't mean from physical harm because... We know and we see that often we do encounter sickness. We do encounter um, uh, death. Uh, and so what, what does it mean when it says will keep us from all evil when some of us are, are currently dealing with cancer in the church, when some of us have had to watch loved ones die in the last uh, few weeks and have gone through deep hurt and, and deep loss? What does that mean when it says here in the psalm that the Lord will keep you from all evil? Well, something very interesting happens in Luke chapter 21, verse 16, and up to 18. And in Luke chapter 21, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's telling them all of the things that they're going to endure for him. And he says, you're going to, you know, uh, 
be thrown in prison and you're going to be brought before uh, leaders and some of you will even be put to death. And then he says in verse 18, not one hair of your head will be harmed. Not one hair of your head will be harmed. Yet he's just said some of you will be put to death. And we know every single apostle, apart from one, uh, died for their faith. So what does that expression mean? Was Jesus not speaking the truth? Of course he was speaking the truth. He is truth. So he can't be speaking about a physical realm or physical situation. It's much more, it's far deeper than that. It's far more important. He's speaking about our spiritual um, souls. That's what is being kept. Jesus said, don't be afraid of the one who can harm your body. Be afraid of the one who can put your soul into hell. And the Christian, the promise here to you is that God on this journey through life is walking with you step by step with an ultimate final destination to be in heaven with him. And he will keep and preserve your soul. And that is powerful. No matter what we encounter, no evil will be able to take that away from us. He will keep us from all of it. He is protecting our souls. And in verse 8, it says, The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this day, from this time forth and forevermore. And this, I love this uh, final verse here because it speaks about our day to day everything we do in that day you're going out and you're coming in guys we are doing that um, less under lockdown for sure but this is just every single time you enter any threshold you go in and you go come out and back and forth and do, we will do this throughout our lives and the lord's promise is whatever you are doing today i'm with you and I am keeping you on track for the final destination. Um, there's people that I've been helping um, over the last couple of weeks um, who've been in desperate need. And it has been wonderful to just see how the Lord comes through and surprises. And out of nowhere, where you didn't know the help was coming from, it arrives. People that uh, have absolutely nothing and no place to stay suddenly have a place to stay. And the detail uh, of the provision is amazing. This one couple I'm speaking about had four dogs. And without knowing their situation or their context, one of the people who volunteered to help them provided uh, a whole bunch of caravan uh, stuff and tarpaulins and, 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 and in that there was stuff for uh, a dog, um, forget the names, but uh, an area to keep the dogs in. God is so aware of even the details. There's another guy I've been talking to over the last couple of weeks, gone through such hard times. He's been waiting on the Lord to provide a job for him. And just uh, before the Lord provided the job, I said to him, I said, you don't know when the end of this trial is. It could be imminent. God could answer this, this cry imminently. The help could be coming immediately. But have you learned what the Lord is trying to teach you in your heart? Is he enough for you? And the job comes through literally within that week. 
But the question simmers in his mind. He says to me, Mark, I'm not sleeping at night. Because I'm, even though I've got what I've been praying for for the last seven months, I'm asking myself, is God enough? And that's a good question to ask. The Holy Spirit's at work in his heart. And I want to, as we wrap this up this morning, I want to say two truths to you, church. We are on a journey through life. We are actually coming, climbing out of the pit of hell. That's where we were all starting. And by God's grace, he's pulled us up and we are taking step by step and we will end on a final journey. We are all traveling uh, to, uh, to heaven. And the Lord is saying, when you go through those difficult times, it's so good to be in a time of need. It's so good to be in a time of help because in those moments we do look for the Lord. We look to him and our hope is in him and that's good. We trust him. Woe to us, we're in danger when everything is going so smoothly that we're forgetting about him and we're starting to trust in ourselves. We're in a far more dangerous place when that happens. But if you're in trouble at the moment, and I know it's counterintuitive, but I'm saying to you, find your, set your eyes on the Lord. Find your hope in him. That's a safe space to be. Help is on the way. He will keep you throughout your life to the very end. Wonderful old lady in our church um, just lost her job. And um, I called her or uh, messaged her during the week and asked her how she is. And her response just um, amazed me again. And she said this. She said, Mark, I was young and now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And what I learn from her and I don't want to be like her uh, the gray is coming you can see it in the beard but I'm only 39 but I want my testimony to be I was young and now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread yes I'm in trouble right now but don't worry my eyes are focused on the Lord I know where my help comes from help is on the way church set your eyes on him this morning if you've started focusing on the problems that's normal we do that we need to turn and look to him and even if there's a time of waiting we need to trust he has allowed this i don't like it i have to endure it i'm going to trust you lord i know that you're good i know that you're going to keep me you've promised it to me six times in one song, you're taking me home. I'm going to end up in that doorstep with you. Um, Adonai Judson, a missionary to Burma, um, famously said uh, near the end of his life that um, the Lord has not kept me until now just to forsake me on heaven's doorstep. What a wonderful testimony. The Lord has not kept me all through my life only to forsake me on heaven's doorstep he is faithful to this journey to walk with us to be with us and to save and protect us until we are finally with him i'm going to uh, hand over to bryce now we're going to take a pause here and we're going to go through a time of communion and as we do that uh, i really want you to quiet your heart i want you to 
ask the Lord, what is He saying to you this morning? I want you to really just, as you take the bread and the wine, meditate on Him and think about Him. Think about His nearness to you. He's right there with you right now. And use this moment to allow the Lord to speak into your heart. Over to you, Bryce. Hey guys, I hope you are doing really well. And thank you, Mark, for that powerful message from Psalm 121. It's so true that our help really does come from the Lord. What comes to mind when I think about this is how we really couldn't do anything to save ourselves from our sinful state. It really was purely the grace of our merciful God that sent Jesus from above down here to earth to live the life that we could not live and to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we'd be reconciled back to the loving arms of our Father. And that is what communion is all about. It is celebrating and remembering all that uh, God has done for us, this incredible sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22 to 24, it says, And the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may take the bread and eat in remembrance of him. goes on in this passage in verse 25 and 26 to say in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let us drink in remembrance of all that the Lord has done for us Let us pray. Lord, we never want to rush ourselves when it comes to remembering everything that you have done for us. Lord, we want to thank you that your body was broken for us and on our behalf. Lord, that your blood was spilt um, to institute this new covenant for us. And we thank you so much for living the life that we couldn't live. Lord, we thank you for being our atoning sacrifice and for returning us to the loving arms of God, our Father. We thank you, Lord, for this incredible sacrifice. We will remember everything that you have done for us. We ask that you'll be with us now as we move over to worship. Amen.